Welcome to you, Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League. In fact, it's the number one daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm Brian Peacock alongside the scout Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. Matt is at Williamson NFL. You can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps, just like every program here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's program is covering the NFC South draft review, some grades here on how we thought the teams did in the NFC South, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Bucks, the Saints, some interesting drafts there in that division, Matt. Uh, and first, I think we should talk a little bit about some of these fifth-year options because uh, it's coming up the time to exercise these 2017 first-round draft picks. We've got to exercise the fifth-year options options now and it doesn't completely lock these players in so you can sign a guy to a fifth year option and it only uh, locks them in fully for injury so you could still cut them later if you want which makes some teams think you know what let's let's give the fifth year option out if it's a tie if it's really close and then we can figure something out later and we have a little bit of leverage in contract negotiations if they go big uh, but there's some that obviously when it comes to first round picks and you're talking about a $15 million option for a guy who's basically a backup level player, it's pretty clear with some of these, uh, which way they're going to go with some of these options. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And a, a couple, there, there's two dates of note to the, that are right out here on the horizon. One happened yesterday at four o'clock. So that, that date is if you sign any free agent right now, you know, starting at four o'clock yesterday. So when you're listening to this forward, anyone that signs, including Jameis Winston last yesterday or the day before, they no longer count against your comp pick formula. So that's a big deal. So, you know, Clowney, all these guys are more apt to sign now. The draft is in the books. They know their needs. They didn't get the people they want. So there's probably 50 names that'll sign between now and camp and they don't hurt your cap, your, your um, comp pick formula. So mm. that's big. And then you mentioned the fifth-year option, which the deadline for that one is at the end of day, I think it's like midnight on May 4th. So all week you'll be seeing teams saying, we picked up the option. But what's different this year about it, first of all, that's a really good class. This is the Mahomes-Watson class. I mean, so there's a lot of great names here that'll be picked up more than most years. But what's odd is it used to be it was just a salary bump, but the new, uh, you know, you got more than you did your fourth year, but it's not crazy bump this year. It's more based on how you play during that year. Like for example, of course, miles Garrett's option was just picked up. If he wins defensive player of the year this year, that might not be as great a deal as people think. Like he might, <laughs> that might go to 18 million, you know, so that that's a new thing with the CBA. That's kind of interesting. That is really interesting. And yeah, this class with Mahomes and Watson and Miles, I feel like Miles Garrett's been in the league for 10 years already. It's kind of crazy with some yeah. of these names. You get so used to them. And it just reminds you that four years in NFL lifespan is kind of an eternity. So yeah, and, and yeah, right. there's some obvious ones. Obviously, Miles Garrett will be picked up. Uh, Jamal Adams will be picked up. You know, all when you hit a home run, with your first round pick, it's super valuable. So you're picking those up every single time. Marshawn Lattimore getting picked up. Watson, uh, Derek Barnett, uh, Mahomes, Christian McCaffrey already had his extension. So didn't need to be exercised there with his fifth year option. And then there's a lot more. They get a little bit more difficult because uh, especially at the top of the draft with some, how high some of these guys could get paid. You got Trubisky and Solomon Thomas and uh, I, Leonard Fournette. 
Corey Davis, some of those I don't think will be picked up because how much are you yeah. going to pay for a guy who um, who really hasn't become the guy you want him to be? And it's very expensive. Miles Garrett is what is expected to be around sixteen million, I think. And that's and again, the, the they could change, don't right? No, yeah, it used to be you knew you you. Know, you um, for example, the Steelers put the, the franchise tag on Bud Dupree this year, and it was going to be $9 million. They knew that going in when they tagged him. Now it can go up if he plays a lot better. It can go down. So it's hard to adjust your cap, but it's good news for the player in that they can kind of bet on themselves. Yeah, that's true. And probably that will – I would think that fewer teams – well, I don't know. If you are in charge, and this is the first time we've gone through it this way, does that mean you would more likely want to pick up the option because – if they play like well really and earn more money, then it's like, cool, <laughs> good. Earn more money, we'll pay you more money. So that's, I mean, it's almost like the ultimate meritocracy season there in year five for some of these players. Yeah, and again, it's a really good class. You mentioned some of the names, you know, like Evan Ingram. What if he blows up this year? You know, T.J. Watt already has. I mean, guys, you know, certainly Miles Garrett and um, Marshawn Lattimore. What if they have, you know, stud top five defensive seasons in their prime years. I think it's possible. So I want to run down to 32 super, super fast. Just yes, no, yes, no, in my opinion, if that's cool by you. Yeah, let's do it. I think Garrett's a yes. I think Trubisky's a yes just because he's bring a quarterback. Him back one more year. Yeah, yeah, he's a quarterback, and it's not like they drafted a guy. I got to say Solomon Thomas is a no. Do you have any contradictions with that one? Uh, that is a no, yeah. Yeah, I think Fournette's a no. I think Corey Davis is a no. Stop me if you think I'm wrong on any of these. I think Adams is a yes. I think Mike Williams with the Chargers is a yes, but not a slam dunk. McCaffrey's already signed. John Ross, no. No. I think the Chiefs might pick up Mahomes. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I think the Saints pick up Lattimore. I think the Texans might pick up Watson. Again, really good class. No way for Reddick and the Cardinals. Barnett and the Eagles. I, I think I just saw that they are expected to pick that one up. Okay. Yeah. Because there's, I, I hadn't heard that. Didn't seem like a no-brainer to That me. one's really close. Yeah, that one's like, okay. yeah. you know what? I think you have to, right? Because middle of the round, and uh, I don't know exactly how this formula works. Is it still based on where they're drafted as part of the formula and everything like that? So the guys get a little sure. bit cheaper as they go down? I thought it, I thought it was all incentive-based or okay. how they play this upcoming year. And what's the chances Derek Barnett's a pro bowler this year? So I mean, that might not hurt your bad, you know? Right. Um, there was a lot of talk that the Colts were going to trade Malik Hooker, so I'm going to guess that's a no. I think Marlon Humphreys is a yes. Marlon Humphrey? Yes. Uh, they already picked up Jonathan Allen. A Dory Jackson, I would say, is a yes. O.J. Howard's a no. think I'm right on those. I think so, yeah. The, the ones that teams are t- trying to trade, yeah. they're not going to be picking up that, that big money salary for year five. Garrett Bowles is an obvious no. He's horrible. I would say Jared Davis is a no. I would say Charles Harris with Miami is a no. I think Evan Ingram is a yes. Gary and Conley got traded and I would think is a no. The new teams can still pick these guys up. How about Peppers? And now it's on the Giants to make that decision instead of the Browns. Ooh, I, they just drafted a safety. That's a no, I think. I think that's a no. Yeah. Tack, Tack McKinley? I think that's a tough one, but uh, probably lean towards no. I'd probably lean towards a no, yeah. Yeah. Bills did pick up Trevor Davis. White, easy one. Yep. Um, Dallas already cut Taco Charlton, and so he's going to be a no for sure. Browns picked up Njoku. I think that's interesting, but Very that's what I would have done. Yeah. 
Steelers will pick up Watt without question. Mm-hmm. Ruben Foster is a no, no, even though he's a Redskin. And Ramchek is a yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I think I agree on most of those, unless the guys toward the end of the round, maybe more of those get picked up if it's a lower number because they were a later pick, like it used to be. It, Mm-hmm. If it's exactly if it's all incentive based, maybe not. But then if it's incentive based, you know, again, I think and maybe that'll make teams lean towards it because they they'd be willing to pay a guy. And this like, they know that they're, he's bad already. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're done here. Um, if it's close, you pick it up because it's, you know, it's still going to be less than what you'd pay them if they had a big year. For example, Eric Armstead last year, that was a guy that people weren't sure. And they picked it up and like, OK, nine million dollar option. You're going to pick it up for him. And then he blew up and had, you know, he had shown flashes through the first four years of his career, but then he had that massive year and earned a big contract. It was like, okay, that's what we wanted to see. It all came together mm-hmm. and they were willing to pay it. Uh, I think it's worth picking up the option on these guys if it's not going to be a big number if they don't play well. Right. And and even like in a Joku, like the chances of him becoming Gronk this year and blowing up the, your salary is pretty slim and none, but he might catch... 65 balls and get more than he would have and he wins and you win real quick and we've got to get to the nfc south here any confirmation or or the opposite for some of these draft picks from the 2017 draft the way you viewed them then coming out i'm thinking of a guy like oj howard i can't believe he hasn't become just a monster tight end because he's too good he was too good against the run and the pass he should be one of the best tight ends in the league i don't know what happened with that one um i'm looking at players like charles harris that I never saw from the beginning. Everyone, all the insider people was like, oh, he's a first rounder. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't see a first round player. And guess what? He's not a first round player. So that one, I feel like I got right. There's definitely some I got way wrong. Ruben Foster, obviously, it's not so much his on-field talent. It's everything else that goes with it. But that guy was the funnest player to watch in 2017. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, the one that sticks out that you didn't mention is I thought Corey Davis would be Amari Cooper. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in Dynasty, I was picking him. And right there with Fournette and McCaffrey and Kamara. And I mean, this is an awesome running back class and an awesome quarterback class. But I thought Corey Davis was going to be a star. I liked Hassan Reddick too. Uh, I didn't like that they yeah. used him as a pure off ball linebacker. So that's actually a call forward to what we're going to talk about later with the draft pick from the New Orleans Saints. Because I thought he's an edge guy, undersized edge guy. They tried to make him a full time linebacker and it just didn't really work there. I'm with you on Corey Davis, though. I loved Corey Davis. I love Jamal Adams. I even thought a lot more. I thought a lot more highly of Trubisky coming out, too. And I liked Watson a lot. I can't believe he fell to 12. But Trubisky's the one that's like, man, I, I thought he'd be a little more something than what he's become. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, a couple guys, you mentioned Reddick and Thomas of two guys that went in the top 13 that there wasn't a super defined position for them. Tweeners, I mean, is yeah. that, yeah, I mean, is that a, a lesson we should learn with some of these guys coming out that uh, we'll find something to do with them? Well, it's not as easy as you think. No. Yeah. Beware of the tweeners. And if they are yeah. tweener, make sure they're good at both and not neither. Right. Yeah. Like Isaiah Simmons, is he Earl Thomas at free safety? No, but you know, he's good, but you know what I mean? Right. No, that's a great point. Lessons to be learned. We should probably later on in this offseason maybe go back and 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 regrade some of these draft classes. I think there's a lot to learn from that. I think you're right. That's cool. That's something we could do in the, the downtimes. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, let's do that. Uh but for now, let's get to the NFC South next. Okay, the Atlanta Falcons, Matt. How do we feel about the Atlanta Falcons draft? Let me run through this real quick. And uh, to be honest with you, not a big fan of the Atlanta Falcons draft. One of my least favorites. Yeah, they got some good players, but it could have gone better, I think. It could have gone a lot better. They, I think they 
I think he panicked for need there in the first round, picking A.J. Terrell at 16. He was a first-round guy, but uh, A.J. Terrell, number 16 overall, corner out of Clemson. They went with Marlon Davidson, a defensive tackle from Auburn in round two. Matt Hennessy, a player I like. I think this is their best pick of the draft. Matt Hennessy, center from Temple in round three. Michael Walker, Fresno State linebacker, round four. Again in round four, came back with Cal safety Jalen Hawkins and then didn't have a pick again until round seven, which was a punter from Syracuse, Hoffrichter, Sterling Hoffrichter, and that's the first time I've ever name. seen, read, or, and the last time I will ever see and read that name, I think. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, to be honest with you, if you got a starting punter in the seventh round, they got at least one starter, right? <laughs> I think I mentioned that yesterday. I mean, that's the, the chances of a, a position player as a seventh rounder with no rookie mini camps and all those type of things to come in and help, I think punters and long snappers and kickers should have littered the seventh round, especially if you can save a little money by cutting the veteran. So if they save a million bucks or whatever because of Hoffricker making the team, great. That might be my favorite pick there. So <laughs> I love Hennessy. I think Hennessy's a starting center all day. If you're running a zone scheme, the athletic as, as he is, uh, he will compete. I thought that was a steal. I love the the Matt Hennessy pick in round three. But Marlon Davidson in round two, A.J. Terrell in round one, I think they could have let the board fall to them. And if you compare it to some other teams, like, say, the Cowboys picked right behind them, right? They got a better player in yeah. both rounds, and then they came back in round three and got a guy who's ranked right where Davidson is as far as defensive tackles and Neville Gallimore. They got him in round three, so they could have they could have waited around. They could have just sat there, took the best player available at 16 overall, who was C.D. Lamb at that point. Still got a good corner in round two. Still could have got a good defensive tackle in round three. So they were pretty much around early with the way they attacked needs in this draft instead of letting the board fall to them. That's what I don't like about the Falcons draft. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And I mean, I don't know how many times you said leading into the draft that I thought there were 16 blue chip, you know, premier prospects. They picked 16 and didn't get one. They also yep. were the team that I was dreading that took the 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 dreaded third corner while well, they were kind of a double whammy and yeah. the two things I didn't want to be going into this draft and Terrell's fine. I mean, I'm not saying he stinks or he's not going to help him. I think he's not a number one corner. I only thought there was two of them and it was such a need. I get it. It's just, if they were, if it would have been 26 and they take AJ Terrell, I say fine. If it's 16, yeah. Um, I didn't dislike the Davidson or Hennessy pick. Um, I think they might see some Claiborne in Davidson, you know, a bigger base end. I think his best fit is next to Grady Jarrett as a D tackle. Maybe that's will be exclusively what he does, but I think he's a good football player. Um, some versatility where he aligns on the line of scrimmage and they absolutely need that help. The Hennessy pick again, if, if you told me team X took Matt Hennessy at the 78th pick overall, I'm like, Oh, that's good. He's a really good player. And teams tell you what they think. It makes me think Alex Max, you know, hanging it up any minute now. Yeah. You know, like we might get one more year out of him. I mean, right. That's what that tells me. No, that's a and great then, point. Go, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying that's a great point about Alex Mack. I didn't, I didn't even consider him and how close to the end he's got to be at this point. So, yeah, it, 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 even if it's not now that Matt Hennessy plays, I think you're developing a future starter there. So definitely like that pick. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't like the Walker or Hawkins in the fourth round. Because I knew very little about them. I went and deferred to Draftniks, and none of them seemed to like them. Like, I'm not saying Mel and Todd and Dane and all those guys know more than Atlanta, but it just seems like fourth-round picks that nobody seems to know much about is not really a good sign. 
I actually like both of those players as sleepers that I thought were going to go in round six rather than round four. So uh, I, I like the players, but then still feel like they went a little bit too high. Yeah, agreed. The key is, though, those first two picks, Marlon Davidson, A.J. Terrell, do they turn into starters, good starters? If Terrell's a really good corner, then that's worth pick 16 all day. And if Davidson is a you know an every-down defensive lineman for you, then you're fine. So that's the key. Did they hit on those picks? Did they get them right? Then they can, you know say screw you to everybody who's <laughs> clowning on their draft right now but um, I really don't actually hold on really quick Marlon Davidson one of my favorite clips from the combine I forgot I saved it here's Marlon Davidson at the combine talking about uh, what he loves about playing football I love most about the game is that I can literally go out there and hit a man consistently and pound him and the police not come <laughs> I love that clip when I heard him say that. It was so oh funny. God. He can consistently pound a man legally and the police won't come. That's good. Yeah. I like hearing that from my draftee. Yeah, absolutely. So he might have won some fans at the combine stay and stuff like that. All right. Uh, we got to move on to the Carolina Panthers, Matt, who was, I mean, this was a really interesting draft. I really like this draft. I think we talked about the Raiders, how they had picked three wide receivers, um, the Eagles picking all that speed in the draft. And I think it was another statement draft for the Carolina Panthers, 100% defensive side of the ball with their selections and a lot of size to go with it. Derek Brown, number seven overall out of Auburn, defensive tackle. Yitor Gross Matos, defensive end from Penn State in round two. Uh, they follow it up in round two with Jeremy Chin at the end of the round. Southern Illinois safety, big and fast. Tony Pride Jr. in the fourth round, Notre Dame cornerback. Kenny Robinson, safety from West Virginia in round five. Uh, Bravion Roy, one of Matt Rule's old players at Baylor, defensive tackle in round six. And then round seven, cornerback Stanley Thomas Oliver the third out of Florida International. What do you know about Stanley Thomas Oliver the third, Matt? Uh, not a thing about him. Okay, the rest him I either. can talk about. I can't help you with Stan- Stanley, not Stanley. Oh, st- wait, Stanley. You're right. Yeah. See, I didn't get the name right. <laughs> yeah, I've never. There's a little. There's a little red squiggly line under his name, so I might have to uh, add that one to the dictionary. Stanley. Yeah. So, uh, um, I, I love the de- just all defense. And look again. This is a team that did the opposite of what the Falcons did. They let the board fall to them. They drafted some really good players and. Here's what's interesting, I think, the most interesting thing about this draft. Not not only was it all defense, they got a lot of size, and they're going to stop the run a lot better. They're going to get after the passer, I think, with both Brown and Yitor Gross Matos. Have no problem. Those are stud players. I think Yitor in the second round is a steal for what he could become as a every-down defensive end. But Jeremy Chin, moving up to get him at the end of round two is interesting to me because what player did they not draft at seven by gate- taking Brown? They passed on Isaiah Simmons. Well, who's the player that other that we had been saying, well, if you miss on Isaiah Simmons, maybe you can come back in the second round and get who? Jeremy Chin. So they got that style of player, a big, fast linebacker slash safety dimebacker type of a player. So that was really interesting to me that they still got that style of guy, but they waited and they targeted Jeremy Chin, which was a fantastic move. So that really makes me want to give this draft an A. Yeah, I, I love what they did. And I don't know how many times we said leading up to the draft, Carolina should basically just take best defensive player available over and over and over. And I feel like they They did. did, And I think in the end, if you would have used seven on Simmons and 64 on your favorite D tackle available, you wouldn't be as happy as Brown and chin, you know, to your point, I think this works out better. And the draft's not always about taking the best player at that time. 
it's setting up yourself to have the best value draft, you know, to bring in the best total group. And they did that really well. I mean, Brown next to KK short, that's nice. You know, all of a sudden the defense has a true strength, a, 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 a position that all these, you know, you mentioned the size of this group speed too. all these speed players, guys like chin, you know, would Lawrence be that valuable if you couldn't protect them with Brown and short, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. let those run and hit guys be protected like Ray Lewis was and let chin not take on blocks and fly around the field. So I, I like that a lot. Um, Derek Brown is a high upside, high floor player. I don't love gross mottos, but a talented edge due to 38 is a huge need. Fine. We, we talked a lot about chin. Um, I think pride is a starting corner before long. He's both fast and productive. And I think chin and Robinson, he's the WBU turned XFL kid. For those that don't know, might be their pair of safeties for the next five, 10 years or whatever. I mean, he's a true free safety ball Hawk, a little too aggressive, but much different than chin chins more closer to the line of scrimmage. And then you mentioned the Baylor dude, Roy, he's, Kind of a nose, you know, I mean, I think they want beef in the middle, kind of like you talked about before, but he was productive too. He's not real pretty doing it, but got the quarterback with some regularity at Baylor and obviously they're familiar with him. So I think that defensive tackle strength, power, talent will have a ripple effect to all the fast dudes behind them. Value at the top, value in the middle, and I think some nice sleepers at the end. Kenny Robinson's a very interesting player in this class for me. So love what the Carolina Panthers did. All defense, making a statement. Matt Rule in his first draft. Sean Payton's had many, many drafts for the New Orleans Saints. Let's get into that. Talk New Orleans. Talk Tampa Bay Buccaneers next. Only four players in the New Orleans Saints draft, and this is a team that's in win-now mode, but they drafted a first-rounder that... Uh, is more of a long-term look. I could definitely help early. And Cesar Ruiz, the best interior lineman in this class, the center, was their pick at 24 overall. A head-scratcher to some, but I like it because he could plug in anywhere on the left left guard, center, right guard, anywhere they want in the interior of their offensive line early. And I think he's a long-term starter at either guard. So I have no problem with that pick at 24. They came back with Zach Bond in round three. Sounds like they're going to play him at off-ball linebacker. Hassan Reddick, shades of Hassan Reddick there. It's not yeah, a first a round bit. pick, but it's a third round pick. So put him after get him after the quarterback is my advice to the New Orleans Saints. Uh then they traded pretty much their entire day three to go up and get Adam Troutman, the tight end from Dayton, uh, at the end of round three. And then Tommy Stevens, a quarterback out of Mississippi State, was their seventh round selection at the very end of this draft. What do you think about the New Orleans Saints draft, Matt? First of all, they're unbelievably aggressive approach to team building never ceases to amaze me. I mean, two first round picks for Davenport a couple years ago. Let's go sign Winston. We'll pick up Sanders. You know, we're, we don't need picks. We need quantity or we need quality. We don't need quantity. We'll trade you all kinds of picks to go. I mean, they traded 130, 169, 203 and 244 for Adam Troutman, you know, go get him. You know, we love a guy, but we don't have that much roster space. So who cares? So I love it. I mean, I think they're a loaded roster. Uh, they are deep now. They're ta- they have very few holes. Ruiz is going to be a long-term, very good starter. Like you said, somewhere on the interior, they value interior offensive linemen like no other team. Vaughn, I guess, is a little scary because there's no way I thought he'd make the 74. I thought it was a better chance to be a first-round pick than the 74th pick. 
And if he's going to play off the ball, okay. But I hope he plays the edge like when Jordan kicks inside and things like that. Yeah. I hope we at least see that. Troutman, like, I wouldn't mind owning a long-term dynasty stock on Troutman. Oh, I mean, how yeah. Long is, yeah, I mean, in that system, he can bring, he can come along slowly this year. Cook's not going to be in his way for long. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be Jimmy Graham there or anything, but I bet he's somebody that is putting up fantasy points from 2021 on. And then Tommy Stevens is another, I mean, it doesn't sound like an aggressive move to go get, you know, the 240th pick in the draft, but they, they love this guy in a Taysom Hill like manner. So they gave up two decent picks next year to go get them. You know, so they added another <laughs> weapon, you know, you know, I love what they did. They're so aggressive. And there was a little run on tight ends. And I thought it was interesting because they, traded all those picks to go up and get Troutman at the end of round three. They obviously liked him a lot. And I look at the rest of this tight end class, which is not a great one, but there was a little run. Two of them by the Patriots, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene in round three, uh, Josiah Degara in round three, all those within, you know, 15 or so picks of when, uh, I think 14 picks within when the uh, Saints moved up to get Troutman. And then Cole Komet, who's universally thought of as the best tight end in this class, but he went up toward the top of, Round two, and I'm thinking, okay, what's the difference between Troutman and Komet? Troutman went 60 picks later. I wouldn't be surprised if the Saints said, well, we had Troutman pretty darn close to Komet or even ahead of Komet on our board. And if Troutman maybe went to a different school, went to Notre Dame instead of Dayton, how high would his stock be coming into this draft? So I really don't even have a problem with it. And like you mentioned, yeah, this tight end going to the Saints, I'll take that on my fantasy football team. Yeah, a couple years down the road, I mean, uh, Troutman was my one tight end and Komet was my two. And then I kind of drew a line after those two. I thought there was a gap. So uh, if you're going to get him at this point, and I'm sure they're thinking the same thing. Like we have a really high grade on this guy. We're going to trade a lot of picks to go get him. We'll just sit out day, day three. And then Peyton couldn't help himself. Well, give me Tommy Stevens. I don't want to fight with teams <laughs> in the UFA market for this guy. Right. I'm going to go get him. No, that's, that's a great point. Yeah. And look, how many of those, Two picks in the 200s were going to make the Saints stacked roster anyway. Right, When they right, made that exactly. trade up, yeah. And especially this year, if they can't acclimate early. And, you know, just give me guys that are going to make team, and we'll work on them. Let's finish this up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who uh, had a nice little draft class, I think, here. I, I think it's pretty much the Falcons I did not like at all, and I loved what the rest of the division did in the 2020 draft. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers moved up one pick, from 14 to 13 with the 49ers to make sure they got their offensive tackle, Tristan Wirfs, out of Iowa to protect their new shiny quarterback, their new future Hall of Famer in Tom Brady. Antoine Winfield Jr., round two, safety out of Minnesota. Keyshawn Vaughn, running back from Vanderbilt in round three. Tyler Johnson, slot receiver from Minnesota in round five. Round six, Khalil Davis, defensive tackle from Nebraska. Chappelle Russell, an outside linebacker from Temple in round seven, and another seventh-round pick, the speedster from Louisiana, running back Raymond Calais. So uh, an interesting class there. What would you think about the trade-up at the top? There was obviously some teams talking with the 49ers to move up to that spot, and they said, you know what? We need this guy. We need this tackle. It's the fourth offensive tackle in this class where there's four really good ones. Let's go get our guides, give up a fourth, and get a seventh-rounder back to go up one spot. I had no problem with that move, even though a lot of people say, oh, what are you going to do? You know, you, you got to trade up for one spot. The 49ers weren't going to take worse. It's it's worth it because the 49ers could have traded with somebody else maybe. Yeah, I mean, it cost you the 117th pick, and that is a little steep to move up one spot. But the fact that 
I mean, I'm not sure any of us really thought Worfs would be there at 13 anyway. So, you know what I mean? Right. Like, if I told you before the draft it's going to cost you 14 and 117 to get Worfs, we'd probably all say, oh, they moved up to 10 and grabbed their guy. Yeah, good, good for it. So mm-hmm. you still get your guy. I mean, it, it, he's still worth those two picks, and, he, and without question, he's an elite offensive tackle prospect. That's fantastic. It's your biggest need. Hooray. Maybe you paid too much. The Niners are counting their chickens. Great. Antoine Winfield's one of my favorite players in draft. I mean, he was my number one safety by – actually, I had Delpit ahead of him. But he is going to be a massive favorite of Todd Bowles. I mean, blitzer, slot guy, nasty, smart. You heard it here, folks. Here for, first, folks. Keyshawn Vaughn is going to lead the Bucks in rushing this year. Do I love him? Ooh. No, but I think he's a lot tougher protection do the little things that BA is going to appreciate than Ronald Jones. I, I don't believe in Ronald Jones. I think Vaughn falls into a great situation. I think Tyler Johnson's a nice pickup in the fifth round too. I mean, very good route runner, not great athlete, but Brady's all about separators and he separates Khalil yeah. Davis. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say Tyler Johnson's that perfect slot receiver that Brady, yeah. you know, will target the heck out of short. And you know, he's, he doesn't wow you physically, but if he can get open underneath, ready to play early in his career, can get open and catch the football on those third and mediums, that, that's all you need there out of a, a fifth-round pick, which is a perfect fit. So of all the teams and all the places he ended up and, and where he was selected in round five, I love the fit for Tyler Johnson in Tampa. Yeah, me too. I mean, just because of the route running the slot, I mean, he's going to be have a hard time to get on the field ahead of you know, Godwin, but injuries happen, and you know Godwin's going to get expensive soon. And you know, I mean, he fits the system very well. Um, Khalil Davis is someone I'm really familiar with because the Steelers drafted his, his twin brother, and they're almost identical. And they're interesting because they blew up the combine. They are unbelievable off the snap. I mean, really quick twitch explosion. They both were fantastic, as was Worf's, actually. I'm not sure it's a coincidence. Shot putters and discus throwers, which are big people that are really powerful and explosive. But the Davis brothers, no one's ever taught them how to use their hands. They have no clue what they're doing. They just explode off the ball and don't know what to to do after that. (laughs) (laughs) I remember watching them. I put the Davis tape on, and I was like, wait, what is going on right here with these players? Yeah, Burst off the line, and then it's like, well, finish the dang play. And, and in the end, I didn't really like either player, so I can see why they're still no. available in round six, but there's something to work with there, some explosion and some size, just balls of balls of energy there with Explosive those guys. Explosive play yeah. that maybe they get it or don't, you know, but in the sixth and seventh round where they were picked, fine, you know, but they don't use their hands. They don't find the ball. They just run up field like crazy people. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell, I don't know much about, I'm assuming special teams. And I know Calais is a fast running back. Maybe he has returned, you know, juice to him. Yeah. Undersized, a whole bunch of mm-hmm. speed four three guys, only about five, eight, one eighty eight. So he'll have to make the team as probably a return man, special teamer, and then be, uh, be one of those guys that gives you a little bit of, um, a little bit of backup reps at, at running back, but I can't see mm-hmm. him being a big part of, of winning a roster spot just purely playing running back, but uh, who knows? Yeah, they, they obviously wanted to target that running back position. They got two of them in Keyshawn Vaughn and uh, Raymond Calais in this class. Interesting, interesting class there for the Bucks, and I think they hit those two big needs. Well, actually, the three big needs, one, two, three there. With a running back, I think they needed yep. some depth there at running back, but then 
holes in the secondary at safety, plug that with a really good player who's most likely ready to play now, an instinctive guy in Antoine Winfield. And of course, uh, I have no problem with them using a fourth. Like you mentioned, no matter how high they got up to get him, they used a fourth and pick 14 to get Tristan Wirfs. That's a home run to me. Yeah. Are you on board that Vaughn could lead the team in rushing? Not Man, much of I have so much hope for Ronald Jones. And Are you I still saw, on board with him? I just I saw a little bit last year, and I don't know what's going on there with him. I would not dispute your claim at all that Keyshawn Vaughn is actually going to lead the team in rushing because I haven't seen it enough. Uh, I, I would give Jones one more shot, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all because at this point, Ronald Jones hasn't done anything to prove that he would be the guy and that he could fend somebody off. The Ronald Jones buzz has been good, though. I don't know. There's a lot. There's always been buzz with Ronald Jones, and it's just right. like his rookie season, whatever it was, like two and a half yards per carry. He's like, what? What do you? And it was less than that, actually. He's like one and a half yards per carry, right? It was one really of the bad. worst performances ever. It was like thirty, or it was like twenty-eight rushes for thirty-two yards. It was like something insane in his rookie year. Better last year, but then it was up and down again. So yeah, he. For a running back in the NFL, after two years, if you were drafted that high and you haven't really claimed the spot, uh, that's really a red flag. And Jones isn't the biggest, most physical guy. You would think he'd be a really good receiver just by his build and style of play. Yeah. He's not, and he's bad in protection. Bad in protection doesn't see the field with Tom Brady. No, not at all. That's a great point. And uh, to be honest with you, I don't know how good... I don't know how good Vaughn is in protection, but that's that's how you get on the field. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's 214 pounds, so a lot bigger. Jones is obviously that linear speed guy. Maybe Jones would be better in a different scheme, go play some outside zone or something like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't doubt it. I like it. Keyshawn Vaughn, sleeper, fantasy football sleeper. sleeper. Go draft him. Yep, get him now while you can. All right, good stuff. That is the NFC South. We'll be back tomorrow with the NFC North draft review right here. Locked on NFL.